It's Jared. So I bet some of you have been wondering why I haven't done a coronavirus explained podcast. And that's for a few reasons. One is that I think because it's the dominant story in the news, people don't need to listen to that be explained, right? That's everywhere all the time. And me just adding to an even larger cesspool of information doesn't really help. In fact, it just bogs you down. But also, I think there are a lot of topics and issues going on right now that are being missed because of the importance of coronavirus. And don't get me wrong, that should be the top story. But that's shutting a lot of other stories that should be being told out of the news cycle. But for this episode, I thought it would be interesting to look at the coronavirus from a completely other angle. One that doesn't have to do with the virus itself, doesn't have to do with the economy, doesn't have to do with quarantining, or anything along those lines. Instead, I wanted to talk about an organization that I had come across, and then I found this organization was being interviewed on national CNN. And they're based right out of the Santa Clarita Valley, and I said, you know what, I think I should talk to these people, because this is an organization that was created during the pandemic for people in need without any other gratification being expected. It was simply, we see an issue, let's fix it. And above all, it's an all-youth-led project that is growing And I think a lot of other people, especially young people who want to make a difference in their community, can use this organization as a blueprint for good. So opposed to talking about the virus itself, I think it was time to talk about solutions being made, even on the local level, to fight some of the auxiliary problems associated with the coronavirus. So for today's episode, we're going to explore Six Feet Supplies with their founders, Zoe Monterola and Eric Liu. So if you're interested in community service, you're just a young person who wants to make a difference, or you're just looking for some good news in a sea of bad news everywhere else. Stay tuned. Hi, Eric. Hi, Zoe. Hello. Hi. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Good, good. So if you could just let some of the listeners know, first, who are you guys and what is Six Feet Supplies? Uh, So my name is Zoe Monterola. I'm 17 years old and I'm a junior at Valencia High School and I'm one co-founder of Six Feet Supplies. So I'm Eric Luo. I'm the other co-founder of Six Feet Supplies and I am a junior at West Ranch High School in Santa Clarita. And so Six Feet Supplies is a completely zero-cost volunteer student-run organization that me and Zoe co-founded to bring groceries to people in Santa Rita who don't have the capabilities or the confidence to go into grocery stores and do shopping for themselves. And so one of the biggest inspirations for me was I saw a news article about this elderly couple in Oregon that was sitting outside a grocery store in the parking lot and was waiting for someone to come by and they paid Uh, someone a hundred dollars to do the grocery shopping for them and that made me realize that it's not an isolated incident and that this kind of issue is prevalent everywhere and so I thought if I could do something on a larger scale in Santa Rita to help all the people in my community it'd be a great success and it's all about helping and giving back to my community. And I guess just going off what Eric said uh, my grandfather had a heart surgery about a year and a half ago and he lives with us and my mom is able to get him groceries and stuff and I know that for others who may be alone at this time and the need is always omnipresent. Yeah I mean I think this is a, a wonderful idea and I'm a big proponent of youth-led organizations like this because I think a lot of other people can get caught up in red tape or worried about like 
oh, you know, how do I maneuver this so it kind of caters to a certain group? But I think reading about you guys and talking to you now, I think you just hopped in and saw an issue and just immediately said, like, what can we do? How can we fix this? And, you know, built up something that's pretty amazing, which I think is just the most like direct pipeline to social change in a way. So with that said, could you just go into a little bit of the methods that you use in the organization and then also how you kind of grew this so fast to a point of like getting on CNN, which I think is like pretty awesome. So at first it was just me and Eric and a couple of people doing research. I remember jumping in doing like branding and stuff like that because me and Eric have taken classes for about a year, for me a year and a half, I think for Eric like two years on just like branding and how to start projects, project proposals. So that definitely helped us in how fast we did it. And again, it's just a skill that you learn and get better at and fail at a lot. And you know, you mm. just keep trying at it. That was a huge thing. Eric, what do you remember from when we started? Uh, so one of the biggest things when we started was that we had originally had a very small group of people who were helping us. It was me, Zoe, and a couple other people, like she said. And then once we started to finish with all of the back end stuff and started to get into um, actually taking orders and then doing grocery deliveries, we found a lot of people who were willing and able to go out and do these kinds of things and spend their time to, to deliver groceries to people in Santa Clarita. And after that, it was kind of just, as time went on, we had to expand just because of the number of orders that we were getting every day. We found that once we advertised that we were taking in new volunteers, it was pretty easy to find people who were willing to join. Mm. It was one of those things where it feels hard in the beginning, but at, over time, as you grow and then get more people in, it gets easier because so many people were willing to join and help us out. Yeah, and as for growth, I think I remember we started the project on March 17th. That's when me and Eric initially got the idea. For us, it was creating like a project proposal, having all the fundamentals set up. Because I think my biggest fear was like, oh my God, they're not going to trust teenagers. What if nobody trusts us? Mm. What if we mess? What if one of us contracts it? So that was definitely a big proponent in like, why so much research had to go into it and then i remember we launched it a week after because it took me a week to get the website done to get kind of our research finalized and all of our process finalized and stuff like that and then we started the 24th march 24th we got our first two orders late that night this the day of our website being set up i remember reaching out having people reach to everyone in their high school having a facebook page up and it was very slow i remember we didn't get another set of orders until a couple days after our initial orders and then all of a sudden, like, it was just by chance, one lady that we helped was super grateful. Uh, she posted about us. That post trended with, like, 900, 800 likes. And she happened to have connections to CNN. And that's how we kind of first got that opportunity. Then it was Newsweek. And then it was just all these different things. And it, the growth has been so scary and so yeah. unexpected. Because I literally just started this to do something about it. We never thought we'd be able to help not only this many people, but just have this like wide reach where we're already looking into expanding into Ghana, Africa, into more parts of California. And it's really weird. Yeah, that's the thing that really took me back is because I've been involved in various organizations myself and the rate at which things are growing, but also growing sustainably for you guys is kind of mind boggling and in the best way possible, because I think you pointed out a lot of fears that I think young people trying to start an organization have, which is one, do people, are people just going to patronize us out of pity or out of need? And then another thing is, you know, how can we do it? that a way that actually delivers to people's expectations. So, okay, we still have them, but how do we continually do it to a standard while growing? Um, and then, as you said, Eric, I think bringing on a lot of people 
sometimes gets unwieldy too. Like how do you make sure that all, all your volunteers are kind of following the same protocol and not trying to jostle for certain things. But I think you guys have mastered it really well. So if you could give like a quick piece of advice to maybe some other people who are either looking to create their own kind of organization or something like that, what would you say is like a critical first step or like what's the main thing you have to do to kind of establish an organization like yours? Personally, I think one of the biggest things that me and Zoe dealt with was just getting over yourself because we all have the time and resources to do it since we're all stuck at home. It's just a matter of realizing that you need to do it now and now is the best time to do it. And if you keep pushing it off, eventually it's never going to happen. One of the biggest things is just making sure that you commit yourself fully because if you don't go all in, it's not going to turn out the way that you want it to. And it's just really, really important that you have a good base set up of what problems you're trying to tackle and how exactly you're going to go about it. Because if you aren't prepared and as well established on what you're going to be doing, then the entire execution of your idea isn't going to turn out right or how you want it to. In my opinion, the biggest thing is just fully committing to what you're doing and making sure you have a strong foundation set up before you start executing. I think my biggest takeaway is just kind of what Eric said. There is no right time because I think we were always searching for this right time, at least I was, and just the frustration of like, why is nobody ordering? Like there was literally a series of days where I would just text Eric every single day. <laughs> why, are we not getting orders? why are we not getting orders? And there was one day where we got 44 orders and we were like, oh my God, we cannot handle this. And it was like, okay, I need to take a step back. So yeah, there is no right time and luck is really just opportunity and preparedness. And so yeah, just being prepared having your message be very clear and having the ethos to back you up and then executing it, following with what you've already established. And I think my advice for people would just be don't wait. There were days where I literally stayed up all night, like just making the website. Unexpectedly, there were a lot, there's a lot of kind of turbulence. I think me and Eric weren't really expecting adults telling us like, oh my God, like you shouldn't be doing this. You know, obviously there's this kind of idea that like why are you not growing so quickly why is this not moving as fast it's kind of my like inner mental challenge but it's also just having to push through that and really get something done and even if you help one person that should be enough mm. which is like hard to say kind of because it's like oh my god we've helped all these people and like kind of people see us and they only see the finished product but they don't see how much work we've put in and endless mm. nights we've put in and like how much work but it's like anyone can really do it because I wouldn't say I'm not like talented at one thing but I am just curious about a lot of things which has definitely helped me this activated multimedia lens has definitely helped me make sure that everything was okay in very different senses so you don't have to be like amazing at one thing and that's I feel like the thing that we need to destigmatize that you have to be great or have a spike in one thing to just be acceptable or just be okay because I definitely don't feel that way and this is what I was able to make out of it anyways one point that I think really hits here is that it's never a good time. And I definitely get what you mean by this is like, oh, like to take on all this work and all this effort is never a good time. And even I think as Eric pointed out, yes, people don't have a ton to do right now. and People are stuck at home. But the motivation level also drops, I think, proportionally with that. Even though you have all this time, you're like, what, what can I do? So building off that, why would you say now was like an opportune time for your growth? Or was this something that you thought of before this all happened? Like in you saw independent of COVID and now it was just kind of, as I said, an opportune time. Or was this something that happened during the outbreak and you're like, you know, this is a unique issue that I think we just have to quickly get on top of. We didn't have the idea before the outbreak started. It was a couple of those news stories specifically 
that were written because of the outbreak and kind of these mm-hmm. circumstances that arose because of it that kind of inspired us to create the, the project. But I think one of the biggest things is that even though we didn't think of the idea before the pandemic, we still plan on keeping Six Feet Supplies running even after the stay-at-home orders are gone and we can go out again just because me personally, I've been doing some deliveries and I delivered to someone a couple of days ago who told me that she was hoping that we would continue this service after the outbreak is over just because she doesn't have a car and she can't really get to grocery stores very easily. For those people who don't have transportation or are maybe disabled and can't get groceries as easily as they want to, Six Feet Supplies can still operate in those kinds of circumstances to help deliver to those people who might find it harder to go to the grocery store than most. I think that this idea, even though it kind of stemmed from some of the circumstances from the outbreak, it's one of those things that can sustain itself forever as long as people are willing to keep it going and still participate. I really hope you do continue it because I think, as you said, there is a need for whether it's disabled folks, old folks, people who just don't have the means per se to go out out of their day. It could be a single mother, you know, something like that, who do need the help. And I think you guys can provide that service. The one question I do have kind of building off of that point in specific is that I think you, as I said, a major compliment here is you've amassed like an army of volunteers, right? I think I was looking on your website. It's close to 40, which is like insane. Um, but go when people go back to school and when stay-at-home orders are lifted, do you think you could keep up that number of people? Or do you think some people are going to be like, you know, life is somewhat back to normal and they're going to leave? And do you think there'll be trouble kind of going forward? From Eric and our team and I have definitely discussed this. It's one of those things where it's like it's so, so far away because this isn't going to end anytime soon. But definitely when we have to cross that road, I feel like this can definitely be something that can be sustained even if it's not by student volunteers because obviously of school and stuff because we have companies like Instacart and stuff like that and obviously they aren't doing that well because you know their interface is so like overloaded and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so hopefully possibly we could go in the direction of like Uber like that model where we hire people not really hire people but you know keep the zero cost of delivery and possibly create this kind of circle economy model where yeah, like we help people for free, but somehow they get paid. I don't know. That's ide- That's very idealistic, but that's the direction I'd want it to take if it were to be like outside of the pandemic and outside of our student volunteers. But I guess we just have to cross that road when we get there. I don't know what's going to happen. And also going off of that, it's one of those things where we are completely understanding of any issues that arise. Like if you join and then your parents change their mind and they don't want you to go shopping, like we are a fully understanding of that because we do recognize that what we're doing is in some ways kind of dangerous. And so I think even if people aren't able to go out again when school starts up, as long as we still have a couple of people who might be able to, it's one of those things where we don't need an army of volunteers anymore if we're not Mm. getting a lot of orders every day. So if we're getting like one or two orders a day, that can be one person spending their afternoon going out and shopping. It's one of those things where even though when school starts up, we'll probably lose a lot of the people that we already have working with us. I still believe that a couple of people will be able to stay on and spend some time out of their day to do these kinds of things. That's an issue that, like Zoe said, it it feels really, really far away just because we don't mm-hmm. know when the stay-at-home orders are going to be lifted and when we're going back to school. But we've definitely considered it, and we think that one of the biggest things is that people are still going to be willing to help out their community. So we'll still have those select few people who are willing to stay on and help. 
and that wasn't obviously intended to like press you or anything like that. But as I said, I think Zoe, you point out like a socially conscious business model here, I think can also work because I agree with you. Some things like Instacart are so broad and I think maybe too unwieldy because they're too large that it's, it's somewhat almost impersonal and like kind of a factory type model where I think you guys found a nice niche where you can serve a lot of people, but also keep it to a point where you know the people you're serving still. Like Eric, you were saying, you kind of have a relationship with some of the clients who you deliver to. And I think that's kind of like an ideal way to help your community out. Other than that, the last thing I kind of want to do is circle back to, I think you were saying, Zoe, in terms of when you want to make a change, you don't have to be like an ideal person in any way. You don't have to be amazing at marketing or amazing at coding or amazing at this. You can be spread out and find people who can help you in various areas. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? one big stressor for me is like oh my god why am I not going pre-professional why am I not like my peers who are like so involved in this specific niche like youth and gov I don't know science olympiad and like intel science fair winner if I had those thoughts I definitely wouldn't have pursued and I honestly don't know what I want to do and I'm definitely not the only one Mm -hmm. but doing this even if it's just like in bits and pieces parts of its branding parts of its communication parts of it is like team managing it's definitely just helped me realize what I'm good at what I'm not and just a lot more about myself I think Eric do you feel the same way sometimes because I know that you want to go into like poli sign that's it's like this idea that like you can't try it because it's not going to be in your intended major and your intended trajectory, but that's not how life works. It's just, you see opportunity and you take it. And I'm not saying that in a very like narcissistic way, like I'm got opportunity to take it, but like when there's a need for the community that has to be filled, then why wait or why think you're not the right person? Because one of the biggest things that we tackle when we do our project um, proposal it's like why are you the right people to tackle this and like you were saying we wanted to be personable we wanted to make sure and let everybody know in the scv valley specifically because that's what we do have control over i can't say i'm going to change the world delivering groceries because that's not true but i know that in this community and what me and eric can control we can make sure that these people know that they're not going to be alone and that you know they will be supported when this need arises for them And I also just want to add that even though you might not be someone who's really good at one thing, there's always going to be someone who's willing to help out who is good at that thing that you're not good at. Me and Zoe aren't really super, super tuned in into how to operate a social media platform in an account and be able to spread the word really, really quickly. But we found people who were good at that type of thing and able to do that. And I think one of the biggest things is kind of just letting go control over everything and starting to... And starting to delegate roles and kind of jobs to other people who are better than you at that type of thing. Just because at the end of the day, when you start it, you want to kind of be in charge. And me and Zoe both had to deal with this. It's just kind of letting go and letting other people do our jobs for us so that we can focus on other stuff. It's one of those things where even though you're not the best, there's always going to be someone who is good at that. And you can always find those people and they're they're most likely going to be willing to help you out. Yeah, so I'm just going to continue on what Eric said. I think it was difficult for me to grasp the idea of, like, why can I have control of everything? And if you see the website now, it's amazing. Like, it's definitely not what it used to be. It used to be, like, two squares, and it was was my paint, essentially. I don't know if you saw it before, but that's basically what it was. I remember being so proud of it, and then we had our friend Carter, who's an amazing web developer and, like, web communications, design communications, and whatnot, and I remember, like, he was like, yeah, I'm going to reinvent this, and I was like, I was so opposed to change. It's just realizing that you have the right people with you and wanting to help you, and it's just having to let go, and you learn a lot. Like, I learn something probably every day from either, like, Juliana Lozada, who does a lot of our, like, Mm -hmm. outreach 
project managing or yeah, like I love Cass- Juliana. Yeah. yeah, Cassidy Bensko, who does our customer relationships, or June Park, who's probably one of the most like key pieces to our success. Like I like to say this, but I don't think Eric likes it, but he's basically like a babysitter for me and Eric, but in a very <laughs> pre-professional sense. He handles all our press and he makes sure that me and um mostly Eric doesn't not behave. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I guess you always need the kind of the the dad figure around in a group. Anything else you guys want to add on anything? One of the biggest things that Sitsfeet Supplies was a part of is that we started Sitsfeet Supplies as an independent organization. But as time went on and we heard some of the stories of the people we were delivering to and some more news articles about different issues surrounding the stay-at-home orders, a bunch of other activated students in the Santa Rita Valley got together and we have kind of a bigger umbrella organization called Sitsfeet Solutions that is more focused on kind of tackling not just grocery delivery, but other issues that people are facing. One of the biggest ones that's going on and is planning to be rolled out soon is called Sitsfeet Saviors. People have seen the kind of stories in the news about uh, hospital workers kind of facing a lot of mental health issues because of the amount of work that they have to put in and the kind of benefits Mm -hmm. that they're not receiving. And so one of the biggest things is that the founder of Sitsfeet Saviors really, really wanted to try and show the community's appreciation to the healthcare workers at our local hospital. And so they're planning on getting a big video together of people sending in a video of, hey, I appreciate the healthcare workers at this hospital. And then we also just have a bunch of students in Santa Clarita. I think the mayor is going to be part of it. And so we just want to have a big showing to the healthcare workers in Santa Rita that the work that they're doing is not going unnoticed and that we wholeheartedly appreciate all of the work that they're, that they're doing. That kind of umbrella organization is really, really big and it's starting to get rolled out soon. And it's one of those things where all the publicity that we can get is helpful just to kind of spread the word just because people in Santa Rita will always need these kinds of solutions, I guess. And a lot of the projects and problems that we're tackling aren't unique to Santa Clarita. They can be from anywhere in the country and even the world. We have one rolling out soon called Sitsbeat Scribble, which is basically a YouTube channel with DIY videos of a bunch of different things for young kids who are being stuck at home and their parents are kind of running out of things for their kids to do. And so we want to set up a YouTube channel with just a bunch of videos teaching of a whole variety of things from TikTok dances to learning a new language. <laughs> just so these kids aren't being bored to death at home and so they feel like they have something to do now because that's always going to be an issue that isn't just you need to say and and can it be it can be applied to anywhere in the world i'm really excited to see where six feet solution overall goes because i think you guys have as you said the ethos at heart and the logistics at work so i'm really really excited eric zoe thank you so much for being on we really appreciate the opportunity Thank you for listening to this episode of Contested. If you like what you heard, please visit our website at contestedpolitics.com and subscribe on wherever you're listening to this podcast. I want to extend a big thank you to Eric Gluo and Zoe Motorola for coming onto the show. If you're a teen in the Santa Clarita Valley or just really passionate about what they're doing and want to start a branch of Six Feet Supplies in your own neighborhood, please visit their website at sixfeetsupplies.com. And as always, Thank you for helping us understand politics together.